Okay, for our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, Crossing the Finish Line. Mr. Carter. Reggie, and I have to concur with what he told was talking about earlier with the heat. All I know is that, like in my position, I, there's a situation where I work almost 40 hours plus a week in heat because the warehouse is not air conditioned. I won't tell you more, but the point is, we all don't like the heat. We can't wait till it gets winter where the warehouse being hot is a good thing because then it'll be comfortable. But it's Oklahoma, you can't escape it. So the title is Crossing the Finish Line. This came from a video that I saw many, from YouTube many years ago. It's, since I didn't want to play the video, it would take too long, but it's basically look up uh, Derek Redman and uh, the Olympics and you'll see the video. Basically, the point, what happened is, and I'll just make it a story, do it that way. Derek Redmond was actually in the Olympics in 1992, and he was going to run the 400-meter race. And the conversation, according to what I've read here, is saying, I'll read it, in fact. The day of the race arrived. His father and son reminisce about how it took, what it took Derek to get to this point. They talked, they talked about ignoring the past heartaches and past failures. They agreed that if anything bad happens, no matter what, Derek had to fin to uh, okay. Derek has to finish the race. Period. So they made this decision. Okay. So everything goes well. He's he's really doing good. I mean, when you watch the video, you see that you know they do their little start off and then they you know run out. At about 120 meters, suddenly he gets. I don't know if it's a Charlie horse. Maybe somebody later can tell me. It, the video wasn't clear, but he hurt. His legs started to hurt him, and he started to limp, and he started to cry because he's he's trying to finish. And then you see this man jump out of the stadium, an older man, just, you know, and it turns out it's his dad. He broke through security and went and held his son, came up and held his son and helped him to the finish line, then let loose and said, son, walk the, fin run, walk the finish line. And it, it, it's touching because he literally, several people came up and said, you need to have him stop. He's hurting himself. And he went, no, that's my son. He's going to do this. And I thought that was really heartfelt because that was a determined dad to help. Even with 65,000 individuals watching and several people coming out trying to tell him to stay away from his kid and have Derek to stop. And he didn't take that as an answer. They kept their compromise. And even later on, the father said during a press interview, he says, he says let's see, I, I am the proudest father alive. I am proud of him that I would have been, that I have, would have been if, okay, I'm prouder than I would have been if he would have won the medal. It took lots of guts to basically overcome the pain, is what he's basically saying. And I, I feel this analogy could work with our Christian lives, because the God the Father and Jesus Christ, we don't let him out, is there for us. And no matter what happens, he's there to help us win. And if whatever the circumstances, he's not just going to sit there and say, well, I'm, a little busy right now. I don't know if I can help you all. You know, it's like, no, he's there. So let's let's examine this a little more deeper on this matter. Now, Paul does relate to this race in life as a race, or our life as a race, in First Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians saying, do, okay, do you not know that those who run race, or run, who run in a race, all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who comp competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, as Christians, for a imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who is beat, beats in the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself shall, my, I myself shall become disqualified. So Paul viewed this as a race. He disciplined himself, just like Derek, uh, Derek Redmond did. I mean, he didn't get there just because he decided to have 12 Twinkies a day and just sit around the couch. He actually went out and disciplined himself. It's like in Jinx. I, I, every now and then on a, on a Sabbath when I'd come here, they'd have those, like, I guess, 10K races or runs. You know how much training it would take me to do that? I'm not used to running 10 miles or, any, or 10 whatever. I don't notice it at work because my mind's preoccupied. So I wear myself down. But I can't just consciously go, okay, we're just going to run down the road for 10 miles. Nah, I, yeah, I think I'd collapse after that. But it basically takes a lot of training. And we see that Paul felt he completed his, his race. Because we see in, in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, through 8, it says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there, there is laid up a, for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me all on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. So we have a crown. We have something to look forward to. The crown of righteousness. And he, he won. Now we know that there, we wonder what the crown is. Well, Jesus, I, just, I mean, there's multiple, actually in reality, there's multiple prizes. But I'm going to focus on one that Jesus had in mind specifically. Because I had a note, I was noting it this morning, practicing, saying, well, there's only one. No, there's not. You've got eternal life. You've got rule. You've got a lot of little things. But we'll go into what Jesus, just in a nutshell, made it. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. God knows we have these needs. He created us. I mean, you know, I can't just be, a, like I've said before up here, you can't just be a muck and just expect God to give you everything. You've got to go out and work. You've got to do stuff. But he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not the world's righteousness, because a lot of people tell you what is good and evil, but you're supposed to seek out what 
this book tells us is right and wrong. He provides us an instruction manual to help us, and then we need to read it on a daily basis. Just like somebody who runs a race, you know, always every day exercises. Well, this is our exercise, and then we utilize it. Then we utilize it, and it's not always easy. I think Lawrence once said, just as a side, he once said that if you read the words of Jesus and try to implement those ideas, sometimes it's not as easy as you think it is. The world really does fight us on it. Another place Paul kind of addresses this slightly is first, I mean, in, well, no first Roman in this case. <laughs> I told you the heat was getting to me, Reggie. This is Friday, we just weren't so great. Everybody was unhappy that day. I don't know if it was Friday the 13th or it was just an extra heated day. Even I didn't think as well. But it's Oklahoma. But to continue on, in Romans 12, verse 1 through 2, Paul tells us this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're to transform our minds. Like he said in the, when he was talking about the race, discipline. It's a, a discipline. You know, we have to discipline ourselves and learn to think more like God. In this life, we're told to overcome. The world is not with God, unfortunately. You can read that. I think somebody and us were talking about the news, how various people do things they shouldn't. And if they wouldn't, anyway. We don't talk about news here. This is Sabbath. We worry about other things. But we are to overcome. And we see as the scripture I used last for the devotional in Revelation 21, 6 through 7, when he, say, he says, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to, to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all, thing, all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We're called to overcome. It also says that in, uh, I'm not going to quote all of them for due to time, but in Revelation 2 through 3, I'm just going to pick one, but in 2 through 3, there's like seven times it actually says you are to overcome. And the one I picked was Romans, or Romans Revelation 2, 25 through 27. I won't read the whole thing, but it basically says, but, I, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcometh, or comes, and keeps my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he talks about the pottery and breaking pottery. But he, overcoming. And just like Derek, I, I can imagine Derek, some days when he wanted to try, I, actually I did see an interview where he said it wasn't as easy. Derek Redmond, actually when training, sometimes wanted to give up because, you know, you have your days when you get tired or you get sore or whatever, and you don't want to, you just want to sit and watch, you know, watch Madlock or something. or You know, you want to sit down, but he had to constantly train. It's not easy. And with us in our lives, like I was talking, like Reggie's talking about the heat, at work we have quotas. Now, granted, they lower them a little bit with the heat. They know they want to us all passing out up on the top floors. 
There's three levels. But at the same time, we have to maintain those quotas. We have to overcome, or we may be hit with something in our life that was totally unexpected. Like I said, a few months ago, my death of my mom. That was totally unexpected. You know, was, but I handled it because I know God has multiple promises, and I will see her again one day. Didn't mean I accepted it the first 10 minutes I heard the news, but <laughs> I was a little out of that. The point I'm trying to make is we are slightly, we are handicapped in this life. Unfortunately, just like when I said that he ran the race, he went to the, like the, like the last 120 meters, and suddenly he starts the, oh, he starts that. We're the same way. Sin besets us. Our behavior, the world goes against us, and then sin, just like it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We all have, unfortunately, problems which prevent us from completing the race. But Paul even addresses that part. You really think about it. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he's saying in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great, so great of cloud of witnesses, let us set aside every weight and the sins which so easily beset us and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and had sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. We have, as he says in here, Sin that so easily besets us. When we're not watching, we, get, we can slip up by accident. Like I said, the heat does that. I keep mentioning it because all week we whined about the heat at work, okay? And we got to where sometimes we'd say things we didn't mean to, not bad necessarily, just things would come out because we're just tired. And, uh, and I assume every weight would be like if something happens in your life that you know, takes up, you know, hits you by accident or in, unintentionally and it's just the way it is. You know, where bills or your car gets hit or who knows what, and you have to deal with this stuff. But Jesus is our author, of our author and finisher of our faith, and he overcome. We could look to him as our means to overcome and finish this race. He's our example, and he's there to help us. And we know this because of the scripture I read last time. Yeah, Steve only gave me two weeks to plan this, so I'm recycling a few scriptures here. In John 3, 16, for God so loveth the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God sent Jesus to help us. To, we believe. And, and like you said, seek his righteousness. Believe is a little bit more than just, oh, well, I believe he exists. There's a little more to it. They have a plan. And we know that God's in Romans 5, 8, Paul addresses this as well. But God demonstrates his, his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, or still sinners, Christ died for us. They're there for us. Jesus Christ and God the Father are there for us. When things don't, the chips are down, things don't work, you know, you come up and say, hey, I'm having financial issues, they're not going to let it fall. As long as you're seeking the goal, it's like, like, Derek, when his, he limped, his dad literally fought 
didn't fight, but he broke through security. He was determined to help his son. Didn't matter if there was 65 million people out in that stadium. He was there to help his son. That was the way it was. It's the way it is. He was there. So just like that, that race, our Father is there to help us to complete our race in life. And to an awesome, awesome prize beyond anything we can imagine. Eternal life, kingdom of God. I mean, you probably can think of multiple things you're looking for. Seeing your relatives again, you know, multiple things. With the help of Jesus Christ, of course, who is the author and finisher of our faith? It is Christ it is Christ who died and, fur and, fur and furthermore is risen and is on the right hand of God. And he also makes intercession for us. So whenever things happen, this is part of my conclusion, and you just feel alone and you feel like, that, oh, I'm just running this race of life on my own because I've had those moments. You're not. As long as you're striving for that kingdom and striving for the goals that God set for you. He is there. He is there to help you. I thought I'd let Paul be the closing this time. Just to, to, to reinforce the point of encouragement. In Romans 8, 33 through 39. I'm just going to read this and I think it's self-explanatory. I see someone shaking their head like, yep. They know where I'm going to. So on that, let's do that. I'll read it. So who, and it says in, in Romans 8, 33, there's 39. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who, even at, at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession, intercession for us? He who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? It is, it is written, for your sake we are Healed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. We're conquerors through Him. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, or height, which I'm afraid of heights. That's why I don't do the uh, stuff that's sometimes up in skylines. Nor heights, nor depths, nor any other thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. 